Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here with the business of podcasting. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Matt Wolf of the Hustle and Flow Chart podcast. And this interview was really insightful for a lot of reasons, but there's three things that I think you'll get if you do get into this episode. Number one is you'll get to learn how Matt has grown their show to an immense level and the three most effective strategies they've used and still use to grow their show today. One of those strategies which I thought was really good was actually a unique way to use Google AdWords or paid ads to actually grow your podcast as well. So if you're interested in growth, that element's going to be a really interesting piece of the pie. The second thing I thought was just fantastic is the length they're going to with their show notes. Now to give you a hint, they've actually hired a professional writer who just goes next level and he explains in depth how he's using uh, this writer and this strategy to not only just like grow their show, but also create revenue opportunities and monetization opportunities. And then lastly, Matt drops some pretty big reasons on why he's so bullish on podcasting, why he's taking this so seriously, and why they're going to be going even harder on podcasting in the future. Now, if you do enjoy this episode of the show, please make sure to subscribe so you get future updates and more episodes from us here. And if you would like more information on how we can help you with your podcast, please head to valamedia.com and you can get a whole bunch of info from us there. So let's head into the episode and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, podcasters. It's Charlie here. And today I have a very special guest with me, someone who has a podcast that I've admired for a long, long time. Today I've got Matt Wolf from Hustle and Flowchart. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No, big thank you to you. I've been a long time listener of your show and uh, really appreciate you making the time. So, yeah, I know that's awesome. <laughs> I know a lot of people uh, who follow your show and have been very, very interested in what you guys have been getting up to and like how you've been able to create such, I'm just going to say a behemoth of a show (laughs) because it really is something uh, special that a lot of people like. So today we're going to get into some questions and I've been dying to ask this one from the beginning. Mm -hmm. What led you to podcasting initially? Why did you get into it? That's a good question. So I've always been a big fan of audio specifically. In fact, um, when I was actually at college when I went right when I graduated from high school the very first major I was going down was actually audio production I'd I'd always played in bands I was a guitar player I was a bass player in one band I was a keyboardist in another band I'd always been really into music and played in bands so I wanted to be a record producer so I actually right out of high school took a college course all about audio production and learned how to use the mixing boards and recorded bands. And I used to go to concerts and work the sound boards in the back of the concerts. And I just always, always loved audio. And so that was kind of a piece of it. Um, And then also I found audio content, some of the easiest content to create, Um, you know, for our, our blog and our website, we decided that the one of the easiest ways to create consistent and high quality content was to interview a lot of people. So back in 2010, we started our first podcast called the online income podcast, where um, it started as just me and Joe having conversations with each other. But then after a little while, we realized, 
we don't have to be the sole creators of all the content. We started interviewing people. So um, it's it was really kind of a combo between those two things. I sort of had a passion for audio um, engineering and then also uh, as far as content creation goes, it was a very easy medium for us to jump into and and create high value, high quality content uh, really consistently. Yeah, I couldn't agree more than that. I think it's very high leverage. You know, some people say podcasting is hard work, um, but I kind of think writing a sales letter <laughs> is hard work. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I think I think any sort of long form writing is way harder than uh, podcasting. And the beauty of podcasting is you can turn it into written content. You can get transcripts. You can do what we do, where we actually have somebody take notes on all of our podcasts. Um, you know, like what you're doing. You have your, yours is a video podcast, so that video is now repurposable on YouTube and. Uh, Facebook and wherever else you want to post videos. So um, I just felt like with podcasting, it was a great sort of starting piece of content that can then be splintered off into all sorts of different pieces of content. Well, that was the thing that attracted me, in all honesty, is like when I look at podcasting, it's the only thing that one is super high leverage. Like as Mm -hmm. we're doing video and audio now, it's like this will turn into written as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But then it's also pays compound interest. So it's like people go back and listen to your previous episodes and feed into the next ones and even binge. Like I've seen people like literally Mm -hmm. just binge on podcasts like they would TV series. And I don't think you get that from any other platform. Yeah, no, we, we see that all the time. I, I mean, we right now we're hosted with Libsyn for our podcast and we can log into Libsyn and we'll see a day where I go, oh, it looks like two or three people discovered our podcast and binged a whole bunch because you can always see the the giant spikes of people going back through and downloading all your old episodes and, and stuff like that. So it's really cool. And and one of the ways that we, we also keep our podcast, um, we, we keep older episodes sort of fresh is we have actually got a second show called Hustle and Flow Shorts, which is actually 10 to 15 minute clips from our longer podcast. So that's another way that we repurpose it. But it's also a way that people who don't have time to listen to an hour long podcast can kind of go get little you know, little nuggets on their commute to work for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, And really, that's just we go back, we listen to the longer podcast, we find little kind of gold nuggets and clip them out and turn them into their own show. And uh, that's actually a daily show. So that's a that's a way that we kind of reinvigorate older episodes, you know, we'll go back to episodes where we're we've recorded 200 and 10 or something like that with the current show, but we'll go back to episode seven, episode 15, episode 30, and pull little chunks from those episodes to make sure that that content never dies. I really love, again, another form of leverage you've been able to put there. And this is actually one of my questions from later on anyway, because I've been very curious about this. How's the show performed, Hustle and Flow Shorts, which is your shorter form podcast compared with your main one, Hustle and Flow Chart? So it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's still fairly new. It's only, it's only about, I think three months old or so. So it's still a fairly new podcast, but it's, it's growing month over month. So, um, you know, we're not really doing a whole lot to promote that show. It's kind of like the people who know about the longer show, uh, we're making them aware that the shorter show exists, but we haven't done all the the normal like podcast launch strategies. We haven't run a contest to grow it. We haven't gone and asked for hundreds of reviews. We haven't done all the kind of normal advice that you get when you start a podcast. We're just kind of making existing podcast listeners aware that that one exists, which um, which means it's kind of getting slower growth. But at the end of the day, we really want people listening to our longer form podcast because that's that's kind of the money show. <laughs> Well, it's, it's really interesting because myself personally, I'm a longer form guy. I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate the longer interviews and time and time again, uh, that sometimes the deeper you go, the better it gets. Yeah. Like, no, I and, agree. 
I agree 100%. I mean, I, I, when I listen to podcasts, I prefer the longer shows. I listen to shows like, like the Joe Rogan show. I listen to shows like, um, uh, I like Armchair Expert by uh, Dax Shepard. And I, most of the shows I listen to are like two hours, three hours long. So I, I really like long form content. And if our guests would allow it, we'd have our guests for three hours if, if we could, because we really, really enjoy interviewing people in long form as well. You know, we've had episodes go as long as two hours. In fact, I think our longest episode ever was with our mutual buddy, James Shramko. I think that one went two hours when we had him on um, fairly recently. So, uh, you know, I, I, I prefer it and I w- I'll, I'll go as long as the guests let us go. <laughs> I agree. And see, it's interesting hearing even your own view on that. But something mm-hmm. we've seen in the numbers um, is really fascinating is that people really, there's a whole bunch of people that love the short form. That really, yeah. they might maybe they have short commutes or something, but it's a very attractive way to kind of spin things out. Yeah, yeah, and and we really just try to focus on both. You know, we got the long form, we've got the the short show, and um, you know, and if if you really, really, really want to save time, we take notes on all the episodes, so you can just skim the notes from all the episodes as well. So that's a you know a third way that we're getting our guest content in front of people is you can just go download the notes and within you know five minutes have a quick skim of all of the main topics that we talked about. Yeah, I agree. Now, your show, one of the unique dynamics is you have a co-host, Joe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I mean, personally, I really like the way you guys feed into each other. But I think Mm -hmm. a lot of podcasters uh, at some point have considered a co-host. And Mm -hmm. I think you guys are probably one of the few that have pulled that off. How did you come to that decision to work together on a show rather than just tackling it yourself? So I've, you know, we've gone back and forth. I've actually had shows where I was the only host and then we've had shows where Joe and I co-hosted. So the very first podcast we ever had was called the Online Income Podcast. And that one, Joe and I, um, we started as just, hey, we talk about marketing all the time. Let's just start recording some of our conversations. And that was the one that we started in 2010. And um, that one lasted maybe seven or eight episodes. Uh, We just kind of got busy with work. Um, And then, um, you know, I don't really know what makes it work with Joe and I, other than the fact that we've been working together since 2007 and just, you know, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're two brains focused on the same end goal. So my, my brain works in a very sort of analytical tactical. I try to, I try to get all the tactics out of people. If you ever listen to our show, I'm always the one that's kind of getting into the weeds going, Oh, so what's your CPM on that? you know, that Facebook ad and what, what, what kind of click through ratio are you getting? And, Oh, how did you like, what, what sort of copy did you use and what sort of images are you using? And I'm trying to get in the weeds on the tactical stuff where Joe's brain tends to go more to the, the philosophical, the higher level, the, um, you know, the, the, the mindset kind of stuff. He likes to go there where I like to go to the tactical stuff. So every time we have a guest on, we're kind of, we're kind of hitting the guest from different angles, right? We, we both have different end goals of what we're trying to get out of the guest, which I think makes for a really good sort of dynamic show that you're getting the mindset, the philosophy, but you're also getting the sort of in the weeds tactics from our guest. And I think that's sort of what's made it work as a show. And then just Joe and I having that understanding and that realization that, this is kind of my role for the show. This is kind of his role for the show and just kind of, you know, we balance each other out in that way. And I think that's kind of what's made it work. Um, you know, from a, a relationship standpoint, I know there's a lot of podcasters where they might have a co-host and they have difference in opinions on, on like the, the direction to take the show and, you know, creative disagreements and things like that, which Joe and I have from time to time. But I think at the end of the day, we're both very, very on the same page with where we're trying to take this. And 
um, you know, where we're trying to take this is, is we want this to be like the largest business podcast there is. We want this to be the, the, the Joe Rogan of business marketing podcast. We want it to be kind of the top of mind, top of charts, the, the biggest, best show. And I think because we both have that sort of end goal in mind, we're both, uh, we're both kind of working towards that just from our own sort of perspectives. It really comes through in the show, the dynamic between you two and well, mm-hmm. and I really do contribute it to why it's been so, I think, great to listen to and then mm-hmm. the different perspectives. So, I mean, I'm more just, uh, I suppose, praising you up here, but I've really enjoyed <laughs> it personally as well, which has been great. Um, one of the things I wanted to dig into a little bit deeper mm-hmm. there is how do you guys decide what content you're going to make and which guests you're going to bring on? Oh, that's that's actually a tough topic. Um, so, like when it comes to to what guests to bring on, we're actually it's gotten to a point now where we're we're probably getting ten to twelve emails every single day of people asking if they can be on the show. And so, what we've actually done is we've we've got somebody in our customer support desk now who all those messages uh, go to her. She'll kind of go and vet them, do some research, um, look them up on LinkedIn, look them up on Listen Notes. Um, you know, see what other podcasts they've been on and she'll kind of vet them out and kind of act as our gatekeeper a little bit. She'll, she'll, um, she kind of does the first pass through to see, does this guest seem like a good guest for the show? And then, so out of the 10 to 12 a day that, that are coming in, we probably get passed along maybe two of them a week. (laughs) She She might make it through her filters and go, okay, this one seems like a good guest. Um, and then Joe and I kind of dig a little bit deeper and decide based on on that. Um, but very, very, very few people that do cold outreach actually make it onto the show. Most of the people that come on the show are are our own network. So um, I'd say 90% of the episodes we have are just us tapping into our own network of, of friends and their connections. And um, we've got... Uh, We've got a Dream 100 list, which is in a Google spreadsheet, which is just all of the guests we wish we can have someday. We actually put that in the footer of every single one of our emails that we send to people um, and say, hey, if you know anybody on this list, make a connection. Um, And so we've done that a lot. And most of our shows, most of our guests come from word of mouth and a handful, maybe two, three a month come from, from cold outreach. Um, but as, as far as what we're going to have on the show and what sort of topics we want to discuss, we, we try to keep it pretty, pretty spread out. You know, we don't want to have four SEO episodes in a single month. We don't want to have four five Facebook ad episodes in a single month. So we're just, we're trying to create diversity among the episodes every single month so that like every month there might be an SEO episode, an episode about advertising, an episode about mindset, an episode about, um, you know, uh, content repurposing. We're, we're just trying to create a lot of diverse topics. So we're, we're getting a lot of angles. So, I mean, really that's, that's kind of our, our processes for how we get people. Um, you know, we only have a finite amount of spots for, for guests on our show. We have eight a month and, um, you know, the, the cold outreach usually doesn't do it, but usually it's just all kind of a word of mouth networking thing. That 12 a day is uh, epic. I feel for your customer support person. I imagine it's <laughs> only going to get bigger. Yeah, it's. It, I, I mean, some of them go to me, some of them go directly to Joe, some of them go straight to our customer support, but, you know, we're they, there's a lot of them. And, um, you know, it's it, it's difficult because there's a lot of people who, you know, it's it's just... 
it's part of their content marketing plan, but they're not really that great of a fit for the show. Like they didn't do the research on who our target market is. They don't know, really understand our avatar. They don't understand the types of things we're talking about. You know, we'll get people reach out saying, Hey, uh, can we come on your show? We've, we want to talk about mortgage interest rates. And we're like, no, <laughs> you know, so it's just like, there's just a lot of people that, that reach out that aren't a good fit. And, um, you know, every once in a while, somebody has a really, really, really good pitch and they make it onto the show. But I'd say that's, that's kind of more of the exception than the rule. Yeah. And you've got to keep your feelers out for them because every, you know, a unicorn will jump out every now and again, I kind of think. There's yeah, a little bit of absolutely. gold in the dirt. So, I mean, I recently listened to an episode of yours and it was mentioned that you guys are unapologetically generalists. Uh -huh. Um, which I thought was a very um, clever title, to be honest. <laughs> I wonder how many times you've discussed niching your show further or keeping it broad or if any considerations have gone into, hey, this is the way we want to take the future of the show for, for business in general. With this show, I think we've always decided from day one that we want it to be fairly general. We want it to be open-ended with who we can talk about and what we can talk about. And, you know, we have episodes where we do talk about real estate. It's kind of rare, but there are in there, there's two or three that we've done. Um, you know, we have episodes about like investing and things like that. We wanted to just, we wanted to keep the topics very diverse. Um, that was on purpose. We've had past shows where we tried to niche down and we never really gained the traction that we wanted. And, um, you know, some niches, they don't really have this sort of bigger name, like sort of celebrities of the niche, which, um, you know, with what we're doing now, we could kind of pick up some of those people and draw attention to our show. I, you know, it, it's something that we've wrestled with. It's something that we've actually been sort of insecure about over the years of, you know, we've never really had a very specific niche. We've talked a lot about podcasting. We've had courses on traffic. We've had courses on blogging. We've had courses on video marketing. You know, we've, we've kind of just been all over the place with what we teach. And we've always sort of beat ourselves up over the fact that like, we're not really known as the traffic guys or the blogging guys or the podcasting guys. But, you know, lately within the last, you know, three years since we've started this new podcast, we've just embraced that. We've embraced it and we've just started telling people exactly what you said. We're unapologetic generalists. We, we're generalists and we don't care what any other sort of marketer or business coach tells us about that. We're just going to stay generalists because we know we just, we love to learn in all areas and we love to talk about all areas and why pigeonhole ourselves if, you know, this is what we love talking about and we want to keep it open. Yeah, I like that point of view. It, it kind of feels from what I've seen in this industry is that if you have a more general show, um, the potential for it to be bigger, you know, because it can affect more people is there, but they can be mm -hmm. harder to start. But if you've got a more niche show and you can more, I suppose, be a bit creepy in how specific you talk about them and like, is this guy watching me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> then you've got a really good chance to, I suppose, gain traction with a very select market. And I think that's a really hard thing to balance. Did you mm -hmm. guys find that the initial start of your show was harder to get off the ground or through your network, were you kind of able to, to give it that launch you wanted? Yeah. I mean, by the time we started this show, we'd already built up a fairly large network. We already had an email subscriber list of over a hundred thousand subscribers. Um, you know, we'd already sort of built uh, a fairly established, uh, brand for ourselves and a, a very, uh, a fairly established following. And so when we launched this one, we were able to pretty much put out emails and say, Hey, we're launching this podcast, go check it out, go review it. I think we did a contest when we first started it. Um, our first handful of episodes, we tapped into some of our, our more successful friends, um, Aaron Fletcher and Amisha and, and 
so, some guys that we knew would be able to sort of mail their list about the episode and get us some traction right in the beginning. And so we were able to do that early on with this show. Um, the, the, the current show we started in, let's see, 2016, uh, beginning of 2017, end of 2016, beginning of 2017, somewhere around there. Um, but before that, we'd had we, we'd sold a whole bunch of courses. I had a business called Learn to Blog with an old business partner, Bradley Will. That, uh, that business, we built a subscriber list of like 170,000 customers. Um, so we weren't starting from scratch when we started this podcast. Um, we already had, we, we had a few assets that we were able to sort of jump off with. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that's a very wise thing. It can be, um, when you've got those types of things to feed into it, it can make getting a new show off the ground so, so much more easier. Yeah, so- exactly. So I want to shift gears a little bit here because there's two questions I get constantly and uh-huh. I, I reckon you might even know or you're going to be very, very clear on what these ones are. It's like, mm-hmm. one, how do I get more people to listen to my show? How do I grow my listenership? And then mm-hmm. two, once I get people to listen, how do I get them to like hang around and subscribe or get on my email list from there? And I know yeah. this is something you guys are, I'm going to say, master level at. So, <laughs> well, um, something we're constantly trying to figure out and dial in and learn new strategies around and, and figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, um, that's a big topic. There, there's a lot, uh, a lot of avenues we can go down there. As far as um, the actual growth, I mean, we're just experimenting like crazy. You know, we, we've, we've run Google ads, we've run Facebook ads, we're actively running Reddit ads right now. We've, um, you know, part of our strategy is we get big name guests on who have a large following with the hopes that they'll share the episode on social media or mention it to their email list. Um, we've done dedicated email drops where we've gone and, you know, bought access to other people's email lists and said, hey, mail about our episode. Um, you know, we do shows like this. We go on as many other people's podcasts as possible because people who listen to podcasts listen to other podcasts. So we go on a lot of other people's shows and, and talk about our show and our traffic strategy and our podcasting strategies and affiliate marketing strategies and all these various generalist topics that we talk about with the hopes that people will be interested enough from hearing us on shows like this and jump over and listen to, to our show and go, you know, go into the weeds even deeper with us. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's just so many ways that, that we try to, that we try to grow it. Um, so let's uh, um, go with like, I, in your opinion, like what's been, I suppose, if you could only do three things to grow your show, what would those three things be? Okay, let's see. So one, I would do more contests. So I would say like maybe every four to six weeks, run a little contest where you give away something cool um, in exchange for subscribing and reviewing your podcast on iTunes and then subscribing to your list. I'd have them do those three things, right? Subscribe to your list, subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and leave a review. And then what we've done in the past is, you know, submit us a screenshot or email us a screenshot to let us know you did it. And then uh, we'll just kind of pick at random and we'll give something away. Like um, we've given away some Apple AirPods in the past. We've given away Bose quiet comfort headphones. We've given away uh, access to online software tools like Thrivecart and uh, Designer and ConvertBox and things like that, where we've just paid for them to have access to one of those tools. Um, so I would do I would do contests. Those are really, really, really effective to get you climbing the ranks real quick because iTunes is seeing those subscribers, they're seeing those reviews and they'll, they'll kind of boost you up the rankings pretty quick. Um, number two uh, would be probably Facebook ads. We've done a lot of experimenting with Facebook ads where we'll take little clips from episodes, little three minute clips, uh, 
sometimes we have video, sometimes we don't. Uh, if we don't have video, we'll turn it into like a little slide thing where what they say kind of shows up on the slides on the screen. And we'll run that as a Facebook ad uh, for, um, optimized for video views. And at the end, there'll be a little call to action that'll say, tune into our podcast on iTunes to learn more. Just go to hustleandflowchart.com, which hustleandflowchart.com redirects straight to our iTunes page. So uh, that's that'd be the second something that we... We actually, from, from Dennis, you, he came on and he was telling us about somebody that they were trying to get some big name guests on their podcast. And so what they did, one of them, the example he gave was Ty Lopez. He was trying to give Ty Lopez on his podcast. And so he went to Ty Lopez and said, Hey, can I, uh, can I have you on the podcast? I'd like to interview you. I could promise that this episode will get seen by at least a hundred thousand people. And Ty went, okay, that sounds good. They recorded the episode. They recorded a video version of it. And then what he did was he took the video clips from the podcast, put them on Facebook, did a, a, a video view optimization on Facebook where you can get like one, two cent views on your video. And he just let the Facebook ad run until it got 100,000 views on it. And then he went and showed Ty, look, I got us our 100,000 views on this episode. Um, so that was something that Dennis, you showed us to do. And so we started doing that. And that's been fairly effective to grow the podcast. Uh, and then the third thing is really just getting high quality guests that have followings already. If we can find guests that already have a decent following, then we can sort of leverage their following and, and hopefully they'll share it on Facebook and Twitter and maybe some of them to their email list. And that kind of always gives us a nice little spike when some of those episodes come out. Well, your point number one about contests was surprising. I actually didn't expect you to say that at all. So that is something I'm even going to test on our own show. So thank you for sharing that. But point two on the Facebook ads, that's absolutely been our number one driver as well across all the shows we manage. So I think it's a winner. I think it's probably, I'm even going to call it from my, I'll just say in my opinion, I think that's the go-to at the moment, like ease of implementation versus gain. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite easy to execute. Yeah. And then with Facebook ads too, you know, if you have guests on there that are an actual target, you know, not every, you can't target everybody on Facebook, but you know, we've had, um, David Allen on, we've had Perry Marshall on, we've had uh, James Altucher on. Those guys, you can actually go into Facebook, target fans of those people, and just show it to them forever until it stops working. You know, um, Dennis, you That's was a target unfair. on Facebook. That's yeah. almost unfair. That's creepy targeting, but awesome, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Dennis, you was a, a target on Facebook. And so after his episode came out, we started running traffic straight to the show notes page of the Dennis, you episode from Facebook targeting fans of Dennis, you and we were getting like four cent clicks on it. And I think that ad is still running to this day. And that interview is well over a year old by now. But it, it just keeps on generating cheap clicks. People find the show. A percentage of them su- subscribe. A percentage of them get on our email list. And, uh, you know, it just keeps the machine rolling. So there's that compound interest we spoke about mm-hmm. earlier. I got yep. a show from like many, many years ago, and I haven't taken it off the hosting. I don't even think <laughs> it's that great a show. But it amazes me that it still gets like a couple of hundred views every month or uh-huh. downloads every month. So it's quite surprising that people still find it. So that compound interest is real. So yeah. – um. The next thing I want to ask is, is there anything you've tried from show growth strategies that was just a catastrophe that really didn't work and wasn't worth your time? So I've tested, so we, we experiment with Google ads and we, we do actually do have a Google ad right now that's fairly effective for promoting our podcast, which is kind of a sort of a sneaky little growth hack, which I'll, I'll tell you about in a second. Um, but uh, I used to try to target people's names with Google ads. So if somebody searched Perry Marshall, I wanted an ad to show up um, at the top of Google, take them to our show notes page. They go listen to the Perry Marshall episode. Uh, 
you know, I, I was doing that with a lot of our past guests, but the the click rate was just really, really, really high. You know, I was I was paying like four dollars a click or something like that. And it just it wasn't panning out to be profitable. So I said so I'd say that running traffic straight from the search engine to like the guest name hasn't been very effective. What has been effective with the Google ads, and this is the sort of like sneaky little trick that we're doing, is we wrote a, po- a blog post on our website called the top 10 marketing podcasts for 2019. And so anybody who searches um, on Google for best business podcast 2019, best marketing podcast 2019, any anything kind of in that range, our ad shows up as the very first result. And it's a list that we created over on our blog of our top 10 favorite podcasts. But guess what the number one podcast is on that list? Our podcast. <laughs> so Un- we've been, unbiased. Super unbiased. <laughs> yeah, super unbiased. No, I mean, I, I joke about the bias in the actual article and, and say, yeah, <laughs> this is our podcast, but I'm not going to create a list without it. And, um, we, you know, and we're also driving traffic to, you know, our buddies podcasts and things like that as well. But that has actually been really, really effective. And we're getting really, really, really inexpensive clicks. And then anybody who lands on that episode or on that blog post of the top 10 podcasts on Facebook, we then go retarget all of them to other episodes that they might be interested in. So it's kind of like a, a lead in. Some people discover our podcast right from there. Some people click in there, don't click into our podcast, but then they start getting retargeted by our podcast on Facebook. That is really clever. <laughs> I'm not surprised with the caliber of the guests you have bidding on their name. I can only mm. imagine is giving you a super low quality score. In AdWords, yeah. like I know Google AdWords wouldn't like that, um, but from I suppose the different way of thinking about it with your unbiased list, that's a sensational strategy because I know a lot of people are trying to rank organically for lists like that. It's actually mm-hmm. like one of the strategies, but I think very few are probably doing ads, which is why it's probably so effective. Yeah, well, that, that's actually another strategy that we do. Um, it's I mean, it's not always super effective, but we when I Google things like best business podcast, best marketing podcast, things like that, we look at what other stuff organically shows up and we do an outreach campaign. We'll reach out to everybody who's got a list that has like the top 20 business podcasts of 2019, things like that, and just reach out and say, hey, this is our podcast. Would you mind including us in the list? And I would say it works maybe 20% of the time, two out of 10 uh, say yes. Uh, but we actually managed to get our podcast in like two or three of the top um, listings on Google for the stuff that shows up organically for the same keywords as well. Um, and it, it just is just a matter of shooting them an email and, and asking them to add us to the list. And, you know, some of them, some of them are product. Uh, so there was a, a tool called Snappa that we promote as an affiliate. And so we actually reached out to them and said, hey, we're an affiliate of your product. We noticed you posted a top 20 list of your favorite podcasts. Would you mind including us? Um, and because we were an affiliate, they got back to us and said, oh, we just checked your numbers. It looked like you're doing pretty well as a, uh, with us as an affiliate. Thanks for supporting us. We're going to go ahead and add you to that list. So you never you never really know. We just we, we do outreach um, for SEO quite a bit and try to get people linking to, to our episodes and to our roundup posts and to things like that. See, this is one of the things I actually really enjoy about your show. And you just demonstrated it there, is that you guys think a little bit differently. I really think there's a lot of people if you, let's say, go into Facebook, it's like, you know, Facebook ads are the only solution. That's the only way to do this. But you tend to drop little nuggets throughout all of your episodes about just unique things that people aren't doing, like the list strategy or -hmm. working with your affiliates. Like, it's within their interest to put you on the list. Like, of course they would. But I suspect very few do it. So, another little unique strategy you've put together there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just constantly testing. That's our MO, right? We just, we hear about something that somebody else did. We're like, Ooh, let's go test that real quick. Uh, you know, we're in a lot of masterminds. We go to, we're, we're probably in at least three meetings a month where we're meeting with like local mastermind groups around San Diego and, you know, just whenever a little like spark of an idea comes up, we're, we're pretty quick about jumping on it and testing it. And the stuff that doesn't work gets phased out pretty quickly. And the stuff that does, we, we scale and we tell everybody about, which is probably not the smartest long-term strategy, but you know, it, it, it makes us constantly up our game. Well, it makes you constantly relevant as well, which I think is uh, something which probably contributes to your stickiness. But this is the perfect segue to my next question, mm-hmm. which is podcast monetization, which I know you guys are, are really big into. So my perspective is that if you're a business owner and you're doing a podcast, the chances are that you're doing it because you want to see more success in your business from it. It's not something mm-hmm. you're doing as maybe a, an ego project, so to speak, mm-hmm. unless you really do want to do that type of thing. Yeah. Now, for me, like I've got a services business, so people that mm-hmm. listen to this podcast, you know, my hope and intention is they want to come and let Valor Media produce and edit their show. So I'm lined up in that perspective, but what you guys do seems to be a little bit unique, and I know you've got bigger plans in the future. So can you take us through how you're thinking about podcast monetization? Yeah, so it's interesting because we actually, at the time of that we're recording today, we just got back from Podcast Movement out in Orlando, which is probably the largest podcasting sort of conference that that's around right now. And um, that was something that kept on coming up over and over and over again. I mean, there's so many podcasts out there that get 100,000 plus downloads a month, and they haven't really figured out how to make money outside of just sponsorships. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll sell their sponsorship ads for uh, $20 CPM cost per thousand downloads. And they'll be making, you know, a thousand bucks a month off a hundred thousand downloads or whatever the math works out to be. And that's always been crazy to me. Um, so we definitely approach it completely different. We have all sorts of monetization. It, it started with affiliate marketing. That was kind of our original monetization strategy was to go and make, you know, sort of pretty links, go to hustleandflowchart.com slash Thrivecart and go get Thrivecart, you know, things like that. We would just kind of do shout outs on the podcast and, and try to get the affiliate sale that way. Um, that was how we started. And that worked really, really, really well for us. We're still doing a lot of that to this day. But the way it's sort of evolved is the newsletter is now our main monetization strategy, which is something that I haven't really seen any other podcasters do. And that is where every single episode, we actually hired somebody that goes and takes notes on every episode. It's actually, um, this person's a professional note taker. She used to go to conferences. And um, I don't know if you remember at like Traffic and Conversion Summit, they used to they used to sell all the notes for the Traffic and Conversion Summit. Um, I want to say Tim Castleman or something. Tim Castleman. That's, 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 who, that's who did it. So the person <laughs> who writes the notes for us worked for Tim on that kind of stuff. So it's the same writer. So if you've ever seen those kinds of notes that's what our notes kind of look like on our episodes. So what we do is she takes notes on every single episode, two episodes a week. And then those notes become our freebie opt-in. So that's the the sort of lead magnet to get people on our list. So they'll, um, and, and there's like a, a time deadline on it. So if you go and grab these notes within the next week or so, they'll, they'll be available other after that, they get locked into our vault, which of course is the upsell. That's the main thing that we're selling is, for $15 a month or $60 a year, you can go get access to all of these backlogs of all of the notes from all of our episodes and all the future notes. And then there's a forum in there. And then we also ask um, some of our guests to come on and create exclusive training just for members. And that's really our main monetization now. So every single episode, we have a call to action saying, hey, if you want to get the notes on this episode, go to hustleandflowchart.com slash comp, go download the notes. 
And then as soon as you opt in, there's an upsell video saying, hey, do you want all of our notes from all of our past issues? Plus, you'll be alerted of all the new notes when they come out for all the new episodes. Plus, you get access to the forum. Plus, you get access to the training. And we have our little pitch to become a member of our community there. And that's kind of become our main monetization. And the beauty is it's all just the podcast content, right? The podcast content is available for free if you want to go and listen for an hour to two hours of the episode. Or you can go get the notes, which you can get for free if you do it within a timely manner. And then also the, the podcast content is also repurposed into the thing that we actually sell. So we do it that way. And then to sort of add on to that strategy, we decided uh, we actually had somebody approach us. It was actually the company Hrefs, which is an SEO tool. They approached us and asked if they can sponsor our podcast. And we went, huh, we don't really do sponsorships on our podcast, but how can we structure this so that it's uh, really interesting for them and makes it worth our time? And so what we ended up doing is saying, look, we don't do a per CPM basis for sponsorships. We're not going to sell you, you know, $20 per thousand downloads that we get. But here's what we will do for a fixed flat rate. We will mention you at the front of every show. We'll rotate a banner into our um, our sidebar of our website for your product. And then also we will do a insert into our newsletter. So the, the newsletter that we send out to our customers every month with all of our past show notes, um, will we actually slide an insert in for the companies that sponsor us now. So now instead of if selling a CPM base for our, our sponsorships, we can now sell a flat rate, fixed rate sponsorship and it's uh, it's more bundle pricing. So it's this price for a uh, shout out, this price for to be mentioned in the newsletter, this price for the banner, and then we can offer bundle packages, which allows us to get closer to $200 CPM for our podcast versus the standard $20 CPM. So that's really all the ways we monetize that I can think of off the top of my head right now. <laughs> I just need a minute to digest all of that. That was a lot. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, what's fascinating there is a few things I think we should dig into a little bit. I, I'm the same. I've thought the CPM deal is terrible. I think mm -hmm. that if you're a podcaster accepting CPM deals, um, you're at a big disadvantage to the point where I'm actually at the moment just considering going and sponsoring a whole bunch of shows because I think the value ratio is ridiculously in favor of the advertiser. Agreed. Yep. The second part there is though, is I really love the way you guys have gone into what our friend James would call content upgrades. So mm -hmm. you're using very relevant information or upgrading the content from your podcast to take people to that next step with a time limit, which is very clever. And I think you would be the only show I've ever come across that's doing that and mm -hmm. putting a lot of effort into that. It's not uh, transcripts spat out from Otter. It's like actual proper show notes. And then mm -hmm. the membership model, the recurring revenue model, and then creating mm -hmm. something with huge value. So I really like that as kind of a whole value ladder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, James has been a big... There's a lot of stuff that we do in our business that we've modeled after James, and James knows this. <laughs> you know, there, as far as the the leading with the podcast and then the opt-in actually being something based off the podcast and then, you know, selling a membership. Our membership, if you log into our membership, it's actually a giant forum, which will be very familiar with you if you're part of James's membership. Um, so all of our like bonus training, when we get guests to come on and create v special videos for our customers and things like that, they all just get loaded into a form. So it's a giant community once you log in there, which was very, very modeled after James. So um, he's definitely been a big inspiration for how we've sort of pivoted and, and sort of built this model that we're, we're working with right now. Wise choice. And I think there's many people out there modeling Mr. Shramko because he just does some killer stuff. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. 
So I wanted to ask another question here because um, myself, I'm a podcast bull. I think podcasting is about to get even bigger. Um, I know it's had some huge growth, but I still think we're on the cusp from there. I would love mm-hmm. your view on where the future of podcasting is. Yeah, I, I mean, we're hugely bullish on it too. We actually did um, an episode on our show recently. Joe and I, we do these shows called Therapy Sessions, which is basically a session without a guest. It's just me and Joe having a conversation with each other. And we did one recently about where we see podcast going, podcasting going. And um, it's actually a great time to be doing this because this is my first day back at my office since coming back from that podcast movement event. And there was a lot of buzz and talk about where podcasting is going. Um, but I'm, I'm hugely bullish on it as well. I just got a new truck a couple months ago and it's got Apple CarPlay in it, which is like the coolest thing ever. It basically like mirrors what you see on your iPhone onto the, the display in, in your vehicle. And so on your display, you've got like Spotify, you've got, we, I listen to podcasts on Overcast, you've got the Overcast link and you've got, um, you know, Pandora now is, is, uh, you can have your podcast on Pandora and it's trying to be a discoverability engine for, for podcasts there and all of that kind of stuff, which you would see on your phone is now just right there, just a single button away in your car. So like the the sort of terrestrial radio, I feel like is kind of going away because you've got satellite radio with guys like Howard Stern out there pushing it, it's getting bigger and bigger. And then you've got podcasting, which is getting bigger and bigger. So I think, um, you know, you're not going to see traditional radio really succeed as much as it has in the past. I think you're seeing more and more of the younger generation switch to podcast and, and XM. And then when you think about it from like a a content standpoint on the radio. Radio stations, they have to go and hire talent, right? They have to go and hire DJs to sit there and be behind a booth and kind of add some commentary in between songs and then press the actual play button on the songs. When you think about it, what would be less expensive? Hiring a full-time employee to be sitting behind the booth making sure stuff's playing or going and purchasing content from people that are out there creating content all the time. So I actually think that's where we're going to see radio go. I think we're going to see a big pivot in radio and XM radio and things like that, where they're going and actually licensing content from podcasters because there's an abundance of it. There's so much podcast content out there that I think it's a a really, really good time to be in this world. I just, I think you're going to see more and more people getting deals with radio stations. And I think you're going to see satellite radio buying up content and buying up podcasts. And then you look at, um, you look at like Silicon Valley, right? Whenever I look at Silicon Valley, I look at what they're paying attention to right now. And Spotify, they just bought up, um, they bought up Anchor, which is a, a platform that makes it really easy to get your podcasts online. They bought up Gimlet Media, which is like a premium sort of high quality, high production value podcast. They bought that up because I think they want to make sort of exclusive content around it, Um, you know, so so that only only members of Spotify that are paying monthly can get access to content like that. There's um, there's a company called Luminary, which was actually one of the sponsors of this event that we just went out to. And their whole model is trying to make premium podcasts. Basically, if you load your podcast into there, you can make exclusive deals with them and you actually get, uh, you know, a percentage of sales on people that sign up for Luminary to listen to your podcast. Uh, so, I, you know, th- there's a lot of big movement happening. And if you want to see the growth of podcasts, you want to be more bullish of it. I actually just learned this recently that Libsyn is a publicly traded company. You can actually go and look at Libsyn's stock ticker on like Yahoo Finance or in Google Finance or places like that. And if you look at their stock ticker, 
you know, it was kind of like up and down and kind of like a real slow growth. And then the last two years, it's just been a hockey stick growth for Libsyn. And I, I'd say that's a great sort of like barometer on the industry. Just go look at the stock ticker of Libsyn and see the growth of how many people are signing up for Libsyn because that just means more podcasts are coming out. More people are paying them to put their podcasts out. Podcasts are growing. So people are, you know, paying more and more for their plans and things like that. It's just, it's just showing what's happening with podcasts right now. So yeah, I'm with you. Very, very, very bullish on it. <laughs> it's it's fascinating in my mind because it's like, you know, people I wouldn't expect to be into podcasts are into podcasts. So like I have a gardener and he uh-huh. listens to podcasts while he gardens. So I'm yeah. like, and this guy's well into his fifties and mm-hmm. um, like, it's surprising the uptake at the old rages. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, as you've referenced here, the moves by the bigger players, like this is like institutional level money. Once you start mm-hmm. talking about like, you know, on the stock exchange. So I oh, think yeah. that's another really great sign from there. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a company called Himalaya. I believe they're out of China. I'm not 100% sure, but they're a multi-billion dollar podcasting company and they're they're trying to get people to use their podcast player and then they want to have like a premium side of the player where it's like exclusive content. They've actually approached us to, to create exclusive content for them and you're just seeing more and more companies like that pop up. And, um, you know, it, it was interesting too because Apple... Um, inside of iTunes, now called Apple Podcasts, but inside of inside of there for a while, they were sort of neglecting the podcast section. I'm sure you've noticed it being in the podcast <laughs> world, like new and noteworthy was frozen for like a year. The the rankings of like who was like the top podcast didn't make any sense. Like they just totally neglected it. And just within the past, what, three weeks or so, they've gone in and completely overhauled Apple Podcasts. They've redone all of the categories inside of there. They actually hired a head of podcast development, which for a long time, they didn't have somebody running the podcast department. Now there's actually a dedicated team running the podcast department. And I think what we're seeing happening was Apple was getting scared by Spotify. They went and saw that Spotify was starting to eat their lunch a little bit and um, and trying to be the big podcast player. And Apple kind of stepped up and went, oh, Spotify's paying attention to this. Let's get back into it. That's my theory, but that's what I think is happening there. But just seeing how much money and how much time and how much resources Apple and Spotify are pumping into podcasting specifically is pretty encouraging. I think neglect's an understatement there. I, I really do. <laughs> I, I think they didn't realize what a golden nugget they had just due to other opportunities, obviously being Apple. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny, I have one friend who's actually a client of ours and his show got stuck in the new and noteworthy at the top. So for oh, the last awesome. two years, he's been benefiting like mad and like he's actually disappointed. He's got to do some work now as yeah. that's changed. <laughs> um, but it was it was kind of crazy to see. But again, just another sign that people are taking this industry really, really seriously. Yeah, hopefully he maintains some of those subscribers and, you know, is still benefiting off of it. I'd imagine those those guys that were stuck up there for a year are probably still reaping the benefits. It's just the growth has sort of plateaued now. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's been the main takeaway. It's kind of interesting because like, you know, can you imagine getting free opt-ins for two years as long as you're doing all the smart things of like, you know, making good content and bringing people onto your own lists? Like it's an unbelievable asset from there. Yeah. And actually there there was a lot of people that at the time that it was frozen, one of their podcast growth strategies was to go find podcasts that were stuck in new and noteworthy, but that hadn't (laughs) updated or added any new episodes for the last you know, six weeks or so that have kind of, you know, pod faded out, but are still in the new and noteworthy and go and offer them money to buy up their podcast 
podcast feed and then go and insert their own RSS feed into their other uh, people's podcast. There was people out there doing that during that time. So some people's business model just got squashed when Apple decided to get their game together. <laughs> That's actually another clever strategy there. I, I wish I thought of that two years ago. <laughs> um, anyway, Matt, you've been a, a very, very generous guest on this show. And um, I wanted to ask, where's the best place for our listeners and viewers to come and see more about what you guys do? So there's a, a couple places I can mention. So evergreenprofits.com. That's our main site. That's where you can see all of our past podcast episodes. That's where, um, you know, if, we do some consulting and things like that. And uh, you can find out about all that kind of stuff there. Um, we also have a traffic book that we sell that kind of teaches all the strategies that we use to, to drive traffic to our website and to our podcasts. And it's a, you know, real growth strategy book. And plus it also includes a whole bunch of strategies from guests on our podcast. You know, we ask people all the time, what's your best traffic strategies. So we've compiled a lot of that into a book. Um, and I put that book over on hustleandflowchart.com slash podcasting. If you go there, um, that, that'll actually allow you to get a copy of that book for free. It is We sell it on Amazon and it's actually a book that we sell print versions of and everything like that. But you can go and get a free digital copy by going to hustleandflowchart.com slash podcasting. Very generous of you. And uh, I'll just second in here. I think this is a show like particularly Hustle and Flowchart is well and worth having a look at if you're a podcaster. You know, Very generous on the um, growth strategies and, and tactics to help you grow your show. But I think it's just, if you're into podcasting, it's a really enjoyable podcast to learn the dynamics and how these guys make really great value content. That's kind of, I'm going to say it, it's like entertaining and valuable. You've somehow crossed that barrier really, really well from there. So big thank you to Matt. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been another episode of the podcast. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. 